0: okay welcome to the latest episode of literature and lap dogs today we are going to talk about charlotte bronte's jane eyre um we actually have two editions on hand uh, the novel that we love to hate i think as a general um, sense um, we're going to read the blurb on the back of oh, no, the oh the, dog. well, the dogs are here okay so, yes, we, so we have yes. all three we have all three lap dogs but not all visible um we have Ginny over here we've got georgie and then teddy is on the floor by my feet um because of course he is um all right so after <laughs> having introduced the dogs um we're going to read off the blurb uh on the back of the penguin edition and uh, because that actually kind of gives you an overview of the text in a fairly decent way the broad view yeah Broadview yeah. talks more about its effect. Yeah, the Broadview talks more about its effect. It's more of like a critical edition So um, Jane Eyre, we get the story of orphaned Jane Eyre who grows up in the home of her heartless aunt, where she enjoys loneliness and cruelty. And it's a charity school with a harsh regime. This troubled childhood strengthens Jane's natural independence and spirit, which proved necessary when she takes a position as governess at Thornfield Hall. But when she finds love with her, sedonic employer rochester the discovery of his terrible secret forces her to make a choice should she stay with him and live with the consequences (gasps) yeah (laughs) gasp or follow her convictions even if it means leaving the man she loves (gasps) a novel of intense power and intrigue (laughs) (laughs) right? it's fire Um, no we need to give context i know i know we're going to come back to continue jane eyre published in 1847 dazzled and shocked readers with its passionate depiction of a woman's search for equality and freedom okay so um that is the penguin classic edition really selling the storyline here um because of course it is uh there's not really much variation um well, okay, so we've got Eyre: the story of the young girl and her passage into adulthood, so Buildings for man, was an immediate commercial success at the time of its original publication in 1847. Its representation of the underside of domestic life and the hypocrisy behind religious enthusiasm drew both praise and bitter criticism, while Charlotte Bronte's striking expose of poor living conditions for children in charity schools, as well as her poignant portrayal of the limitations faced by a woman who worked as a governess or oh, sorry, women who worked as governesses sparked great controversy and social debate. Jane Eyre, Bronte's best known novel remains an extraordinary coming-of-age narrative, Building's Roman, uh, and one of the great classics of literature. Okay, fair enough. Um, so yeah. there we go. Uh, definitely a classic. Uh, we have a story um, of being in Barnes and Noble. Did we tell yes. the story already? Uh, no. No we didn't. We're saving it for this. <laughs> we're saving it for this. So okay. we were in a Barnes and Noble um one Thursday a couple of weeks ago. Where like we we got a copy of the Fountain of the Opera, but which we will review later. That's like a very Hugo esque <laughs> detail that has actually nothing to do with the story, but it's it's fine. It's also but... French, so yeah, Never mind. So um, we were just like, because it was like I would like to stress that we were not eavesdropping. No, we were standing was, in the like, class section. It was a very was, loud conversation. It was a very loud class blah, conversation. We were standing in the classic section. Um, There were very few people around. Mm -hmm. And like, um, I was talking to her friend about Jane Eyre because I guess they had seen it because we were in the classic section. Yeah, And it was there. And I know it was there, but like, actually, they didn't have any Anne Bronte at this Bronze and Noble. Was, no, they didn't. It was just very was disappointing. No. Yeah. They had like, surely, I'm not sure they had the I And they might think they had the like, But anyway, go on. they might have had Wuthering Heights. And they had JN But so the person was talking like um uh, to their friend, like, have you like have you read Jane or Have you read Jane Eyre? Oh my God, do you know like do you know the twist? It was fire. It was fire. <laughs> so we were dying by the bookshelf and i was tra- we really were. i was trying very hard to like not laugh out loud it's like mm, it was fire and you know so was thornfield um, no it's actually quite nice to hear people being so enthusiastic no it's great it's really encouraging to get that we're so not disparaging enthusiasm. no not at all it's just like the irony Mm. there was tremendous irony involved with that mm. yeah okay i mean it is i guess i mean if you, if you don't know the story right it isn't i mean you can try and try and imagine reading it for the first time i, read it first I know time. i know but without context i don't think you existed in a household where you didn't kind of have an inkling about the story because well for reasons I mean- <laughs> I had I only reread it in full after reading it up to the Riverses bit. <laughs> riverses, Wait, you did finish it though, right? Did you finish it? Yes, yeah, so I fin- finished. I didn't finish it the first time. Ah, I read it the first time when I was like ten. Yeah, and it was the same with both of us. Yeah, right? the same. of course it was. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. I read it when I was ten. She got so bored with the bit with the Riverses. Yeah. That she skipped to the end. I figured I'm that reading. was. I figured that was sacrilegious, so I just stopped reading. Ah, okay. All right. mm. I mean, yeah. Well, the rulers section is you're not know, appreciating them. decidedly there. But I I am. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there is it's. But that has to do with the structure of the text. So, spoilers, spoiler alert, we can't really talk about Daniel without talking about spoilers. Um, so, if you haven't read it, yeah. um, hmm? well, th- you have to kind of approach this whole thing as like you're going to receive spoilers. You're going to receive spoilers. Um, so, if you do want to experience it without spoilers and you haven't read it, then Matt and I might be a good time to sort of navigate away from this podcast. Um, <laughs> you need another excuse um so there are a lot of things that go on in Jane Eyre and a lot of things that are really really um compelling about it um it is a building's romance which I've said like three times already yes could which, you explain what that which is? which precisely yes I'll well, explain levels. what that is so basically it means like a novel about growing up which the 19th century if I haven't said this already in some other podcasts is pretty much obsessed with right the idea of progress how you get from A to B whether you're talking about it in terms of evolution um, and evolutionary theory, which of course is a thing in the 19th century. Um, We are pre-Darwin in 1847, but we're not sort of um, pre-emerging theories that will tie into Darwin. Um, And we get, we get this this story of development, which again, yeah, I so said 19th century is obsessed with. Um, they they take this interest in children, what makes a child into the adult that they become, right? They're really, really interested in that. I'm reading Oliver Twists in a different class and similar, similar story, actually arguably even more um overtly interested in development than Jane Eyre is in the sense that a lot of uh, Oliver Twist is dealing with the 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 context of you know what what makes it how how does a ch- a good child grow up in a bad environment, right? So how does Oliver Twist actually? How is Oliver Twist actually a good a good child? when he's growing up in this environment where he's basically being beaten up on a regular basis, the adults around him are basically all criminals. He's so much um, so more. Well, he gets goaded into that, right? And then he gets beaten and then, you know, you get the artful Dodger and you get Fagin and, you know, he's he's literally living amongst prostitutes and thieves. Um, gypsies, tramps and thieves. Gypsies, tramps and thieves. Um, and being trained up to steal, right? And then... Um, you know, so there's an interest in that. that's around about the same time as we see Jane Eyre coming out. Um, Jane Eyre also has this, this interest in sort of what makes her a good character because she's, she is, it kind of mentions in the blurb, right, growing up initially in the home of her heartless aunt. It doesn't mention her cousins in there, um, but she's specifically growing up with three cousins, um, all of whom are sort of destined to be, you know, relatively wealthy not supremely wealthy but com- well, like, easily comfortable yeah very very comfortable um partaking of family wealth which jane even though she's a cousin um and you know sister of the of her de- deceased uncle right and a favorite of her deceased uncle as well which they mentioned but, no, her mother was the sister of her uncle right and the, the aunt and cousins are the reeds so mrs reed and john and eliza and georgiana the cousins yes yeah. um but as i was saying right she, jane jane's a fame was a favorite of her deceased uncle right her mother was a, his favorite sister right and he you know he's very he's devastated to lose her and then he looks, looks at to... jane as you know I'm something saying, of a substitute something of for a her substitute? mother which is right not Uncommon. No, not uncommon at all. And you get the set. I mean, all the twist does the same thing going on. Um, similar. Well, Kathy. Yeah. Well, okay. Kathy. Wuthering Heights. Okay. Kathy, Kathy, because happened. Yes. Um. All right. So we've got we've got that. Um, uh, I finally remembered. Um. I said I didn't know where the delineation was coming from in the Wuthering Heights episode, but mm. it's from the 1992 movie. So, like they credit Juliet, and I was just being Kathy slash Catherine, uh, which seems suggest seems to suggest implicitly that they're calling Kathy Catherine. No, cat Ka- yeah. Ka- older yeah. Kathy, Kathy, Kathy younger and Kathy, Catherine. Yes, yes. So they make the distinction there, which is interesting. Um, the distinction I use just, and it does it does kind of hold in the text, right? I mean, sort of. I mean, it's basically the inverse of what Edgar Linton calls them. And, I mean, Heathcliff does call Kathy Catherine sometimes. Sometimes. But he never calls Catherine Cathy. Right. Yeah, Cathy is the pet name that he reserves for. Catherine and George. Okay, all right, so we we have digressed. We have (laughs) digressed. Yeah, where was I? I? was on to the point of... Reeds. Reeds. Oh, right. So Jane's growing up and she's... she's she. I mean, you get the impression that had her uncle survived... She would have a very different life. Yes. Um. Her aunt would have been forced. Keyword being forced, but she would have had to be nice to her. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And the ch- the cousins would also presumably have been kept in line. Um. So you wouldn't have had this like seething animosity that they have towards her, they really dislike her. It's interesting. Um, so um, the uncle before he died kind of charged Mrs. Reed with, yeah, taking with looking her after day. her. Mm-hmm. And I mean she does it in like the loosest sense of the word, which echoes at the risk of digressing um what you see in sense and sensibility when the similar situation arises where you have the step half son, mm-hmm. right? The step well, no the step son, yeah, son, son, son half-brother, brother. Step brother. Um, No, stepson and half-brother, but... No, he's the son of Mr Dashwood. Right. So he's the half-brother of the Dashwood girls. Yeah, so I'm going to say stepbrother, not stepson. He's actually the son. Oh, his mother's stepson. Yeah, okay. I was thinking of the father. Okay, so yeah. So you have Mr Dashwood's son by another woman who is the inheritor of all the estate. His father charges him with looking after his stepmother and uh, his stepsisters. And Herf you just, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um, and you see, like, <laughs> um, you see this, this, this working through. This it. very well done in Emma Thompson's adaptation. Um, that you know, initially he he considers he's going to give them a, a ton of money, um, several thousand pounds, which is a lot of money, and then his wife basically talks him out of it. Um, and it slowly dismantles I slowly it dismantles doesn't. the entire idea of people being charitable when to be <laughs> yes people always live forever annuity to be paid them yes people always live forever with the annuity I mean it's a them, great line it, is, like, it made it onto the mug and it has this attitude to made it onto the Jane Austen mug um, it, it reflects this attitude of just reluctance to be charitable towards those even, even family members who are in need which is a very again very very common theme in a lot of Victorian texts where you have um, you know Um, half siblings or um, cousins Cousins. yeah poorer cousins who are you know who's who fall to you know the care of extended family members and then the extended family members have limited interest in supporting those children it's Um, usually women because mm -hmm. they typically can't work right or if they can their options are very limited yeah um, so it's, it's sort of a minefield and it always has been, I mean, flashback to Madeira talking about step, stepchildren and, and so forth um, anyway, so uh, we get the situation with Jane, she's I mean, she's physically abused by her cousin John Reed, right, mm-hmm. he beats her over the head with a book um, for she calls addict. him a slave driver she calls him a slave driver, she has a few choice expressions I mean, 10 year old Jane, I do love her 10 year old Jane is very impressive, actually um, you know, she goes after him, um, they fight. She's of course blamed. She's she's described as being like a wild animal. We get a lot of um language, dehumanizing language, which is crucial for a later part of the text, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, her her, I mean, John Reed is also very particular about calling her a poor a cousin. Yeah, well he calls her a rat. Um, but he also calls her poor, you know, poor cousin, orphan cousin. Um uh, course of like a whole bunch of insults as well like really really picking up on the class distinction um and so do the servants of course as well like the servants also treat mm-hmm. jane mm-hmm. i am looking in chapter one um yeah the servants also treat jane particularly the particularly Abbot, yes. right with a with a certain sort of like animosity oh, yeah like- that she's less than a servant because she does nothing for a keep I was um, going to say that. T- yeah, yeah, tell tell Mama she's run out into the rain, bad animals, when Jane comes out from hiding behind a curtain. Um, so immediately the first encounter you have with him, he calls her an animal. Um, and then they get into the discussion of her. She's reading a book um, her interest in reading, courses is, is a big theme. She's reading about birds. Um, Yeah, she's reading about birds. She's actually looking at a book with, like, with, uh, visuals. Um more interested in the illustrations. Yeah, and he, shows, and he says so he says to her, for instance, like, you have no business to take our books. You are a dependent, Mama says. You have no money. Your father left you none. You ought to beg not to live here with gentlemen's children like us and eat the same meals we do and wear clothes at our Mama's expense. Now I'll, t- I'll teach you to rummage my bookshelves for they are mine All the house belongs to me or will do in a few years. Go and stand by the door, out of the way of the mirror and the windows." Um, So he basically sort of sets her up so he can beat her, right? Um, And she says, uh, "'I did so not at first aware of his intentions, but when I saw him lift and poise the book and stand and act to hurl it, I instinctively started aside with a cry of alarm. Not soon enough, however, the volume was flung, it hit me, I fell, striking my head against the door and cutting it, the cup bled, the pain was sharp. My terror had passed its climax, other feelings succeeded. And then she kind of jumps on him, this whole wicked and cruel boy. I said, You are like a murderer, you are like a slave driver, you are like the Roman emperors. Um, so she goes off on the sort of like history of Rome. I had read Goldsmith's history mm-hmm. of Rome and had formed my opinion in of Nero, Caligula, etc. And also <laughs> I draw parallels in silence, which I never thought thus to have declared aloud. Um, yeah, so she kind of goes yeah. into this. She flies into like, this fury, and of course, we get this language it's a fury, it's a passion, right? Um, one of the interesting ways of looking at Jane Eyre is like dividing and, it based on location. Um, she starts away instinctually, mm-hmm. it's like, and they treat her as if she's being like deliberately disobedient, yeah, right, as if it's her fault. They also completely ignore the fact that, um. You know, John Reed really just threw a book at her and her to fall and snatch her head open, which is pretty substantial yeah. um and you get the vindictiveness that he's he's getting her to stand somewhere where it's like he's, she's not visible he's really. literally lining her up to attack her yeah exactly uh and forcing her to participate in it which of course she does until she realizes what's going on um but like the discussion of her her madness her being like a wild animal her being like unruly um is really really important we're trying to avoid digressing no no, no we're not gonna we're not digressing because I was gonna say it, it one of the interesting ways of reading it is to divide it into five sections right there are five key locations in the text so this this first one um is Gateshead, Gateshead right uh the second one is lowwood the school that she goes to um where she's basically gets her education uh Thornfield Hall where she meets Rochester and then it's Moreland right um who knows <laughs> where she goes to meet her cousins the rivers it's the most boring Um, part i don't think it's incredibly cheesy we'll talk about that in a second and then she kind of returns to ferrandine or returns to rochester and goes to ending so spoiler um the key with this is that you get the first the first and the third location all right of the locations um so Gateshead and thornfield are all about her passions Right, um, Gates mm-hmm. said she's wild. She's she, she's not wild, but she's frustrated. She's emotionally abused, um, and she's sort of vying against it. Lowood, she learns reason. Back in Thornfield, she's being manipulated by Rochester, um, or falling in love with him depending on how you read this text um when she goes to me and to uh I think it's more than and meets her cousins her other cousins um long story um it's also about her learning control learning reason she's like removing herself from the temptation of Rochester and then Ferndine is like the resolution the, the decision to have a you know a life with some degree of passion in it, even even if it's yeah um depending on how you read it uh that's the uh, sort of in line with the romantic reading but yeah the the part with the for the fourth section where she is is experiencing reason again after her sort of quote-unquote romantic interlude with with i'm sorry i know um with rochester is really really tedious i don't think i've ever read it without it being immensely tedious it's um, like I with Bronte like... just like forcing this structure onto the text yeah I have opinions. Well, but... go for it. We've got we we've covered our introduction, so we can kind of go through the opinions. The opinions. Well, we haven't gone through the rest of it, but <laughs> we we have. We've done the introduction. We're not going to like we'll section our oh, way through we it. Yeah, we section. Uh, I think she forces the structure, and it. I mean, it feels heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. I just remember like slugging through everything and having having to like reread sentences so many times they just started blurring because i literally mm. could not like it was so boring i could not like comprehend but it's fine. <laughs> mm. i mean if you read if you if you're reading and didn't know the story i think you would read it with the anticipation of like oh is she going to go back to rochester if you buy it with the romance as well which is a big big if a big ask at this point. Grandma. Yes, we can talk about that. Um, we have talked about that. We have talked about that in other instances. The epic argument about whether it's a romance or not. Was it epic? Because I. Feel it that... was pretty epic. Yeah. Because I mean, it feels like it was, but then I also imagine that, like, I'm retroactively inflating it. No, it was pretty substantial. It was a very interesting argument. Um, and it demises the generation. It really does, and it well. I, in a way, but also I I would question whether or not it's actually there in the text because I'm I'm pretty sure, um, you know, having also written on this, um, that Charlotte Bronte is well aware that Rochester I mean he she has to be. You can't write this she mentions Bluebeard. Right, uh, we've argued about this. She does mention Bluebeard. Um mm-hmm. we've argued about it. we have argued. You told me it wasn't there, you couldn't find it, but it is there. Um I wasn't arguing, I wasn't not believing you, was just that I couldn't find it. Okay, let me read chapter one. We're now arguing about this now. Um. But okay, so there's this story of Bluebeard. He's the character who's literally blue, who has this. Who has a blue beard? He has a blue beard, but he's also dis- often described it like weirdly blue. Um As- yeah. <laughs> And he has this tendency Mm -hmm. for marrying, and he uh, engage gets engaged to this young girl, and basically they get married. And I think it's the wedding night he tells her not to open a door. Um, Basically, behind said door is the body of his very uh, behind the door. um, It turns out, of course, to be the body of his previous wife or previous wives, depending on the story. This is just the fairy tale element. And then uh, usually the girl is rescued by a male relative. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, who sort of like comes, the whole idea is Bluebird's going to kill her the day after the way. Um, when he ret- sort of returns from his weird trip that he goes on. And of course, when he tells her not to open the door, it's the exact, the exact thing she goes and does. Um, because of temptation. Um we see but that it's like beauty in the Beast. You don't like you don't tell you not to go to the west wing under any circumstance. Under any circumstance. Like, I wonder whether where should, where should I go? Uh, the West Well it's so like Lion King as well. It's like don't go to the elephant graveyard, there's no place for a young prince. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no i said too much yeah exactly <laughs> i mean it's the it's just like a fact of being human it's well it's to curiosity killed the cat and the human but, um satisfaction brought it back satisfaction brought it back okay wait what apparently that's the full phrase oh okay. same thing it's like jack of all trades master of none but better than master of one Fair enough. Okay, so we we choose to edit down. Um, Okay, so we should mention a couple of other things. So the novel is written in first person. Um, It was like subtitled and autobiography. Subtitled and autobiography. Um, She... Jane, the narrator addresses the reader on occasion, reader I married him. Reader, I married him very famously at the end. And she's also the title of another book indeed, um and a lot of criticism. And she's also sort of doing it retroactively, obviously, right? She's with with a distance of like ten years out. Yes, yeah, see the thing about narrator Jane versus character Jane that makes me so angry about the whole Rochester romance thing, is that, like, it's not even ten years after the story. I can't can't remember, is this, like, ten years after their marriage or ten years after the birth of their son? Uh, I think it's ten years after their marriage, but I could be wrong about that. So, I mean, if we imagine that she's, like, 18 when she goes to Thornfield, Mm -hmm. like, 19, maybe, when she leaves, and she spends, like maybe up to a year with the Riverses, and she's like 20 and she's like early 30s by the time she's writing this Mm -hmm. so that's a pretty long time to have like sat with the whole thing but not once does she actually I mean point out anything that's going on with the whole um, creepy Rochester situation. Rochester situation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he explicitly lies to her, and she never, never comments on it. Okay, so not just the Rochester situation, and this is the big spoiler: um, he's older, he's her employer. Um, he shows up at the house randomly, doesn't actually indicate who he is when they first meet, so they meet on the road. She spooks his horse, or he blames her for spooking his horse, and he falls and off he falls and injures off. himself. Um, you get this weird... He's very dis- delicate. Yeah, you get this weird discussion about little green men. Yeah. You do. You do, you do. Yes. The- yes the- he-, he calls her like a fairy, yes. Well, um, mm-hmm men in green um basically men in green or forsook england 100 or 100 years ago um we'll see if i can find it um anyway so they have this weird sort of not meet cute thing where she spooks his horse Mm -hmm. um he shows up he's aggressive he is um he's he's rarely at the house right he's i mean he's an absent presence in the house Mm -hmm. everybody's kind of terrified of him he's very gruff and grumpy um And they sort of have this interaction. He seems to be sort of flirting with her from day one. Um, Despite the fact that he's also apparently got interest in marrying another woman, Blanche Ingram, who's like the local beauty, et cetera, et cetera. Local beauty, Everybody thinks that's, yeah, she's wealthy. Everybody thinks that's like the perfect match. Um, And I mean, kind of it is. Yeah, which, yeah, it is. Um, Okay, so Bluebeard chapter I've got here, Okay. Um, oh yeah, so the reference to Bluebeard's Castle is in fact in chapter 11, so I would say chapter twenty, actually chapter 11, um, where, where Jane says that she's wandering around Thornfield, which is this big old house um, where she's working as a governess, she says, I lingered in the long passage to which this led, separating the front and back rooms of the third story, narrow, low, dim, with only one little window at the far end, and looking with its two rows of small black doors, all shut, like a corridor in some Bluebeard's castle okay immediately <laughs> after this this is when she meets. You we've gone like, we're going to go overload in a minute um i want to pull up the bits that are critical to this though right it's when she goes to the post office um she writing to somebody mm-hmm. she's, or is she delivering mail on behalf of like she to that mail yeah she wants to go like for a walk or whatever um, Except there was no possibility of shaking. Mm-hmm. Trying to see if we can find. It knocks him off his Um, he shows up after this. Um, he doesn't tell her who she who he is, and then um, they have this sort of weird flirtation. He appears to wanting to marry uh Blanche Ingram, and then lo and behold, we get this proposal where Jane sort of Jane is like breaking down because he's about he's saying oh i'm gonna send you to ireland to go work for this family that i know about um she's utterly devastated at this prospect um and then he proposes to her and they're supposed to go get married and shock horror on their wedding day a lawyer annoyingly turns up and says mr rogers is married already um and in fact he is his wife is uh, located on the third floor a Thornfield Hall, yes. she's being guarded the by a woman named... the Mad in the Annex. Yeah, I'll find it later. Um, and she's being guarded by a woman called Grace Poole, who Rochester's been kind of weird about previously. Um and then this whole thing comes to light, and Rochester basically proposes Jane, you know, come off and be my mistress. I can't, you know, divorce my wife because she's she's crazy. Um, Jane refuses, she he runs away. Um 1847 not really okay complicated not really. complicated i mean divorce laws in the 19th century are complicated period um right. so yeah um Plus, she does have a very active family. Yes, I mean Richard right. Mason. Richard, okay, is like, her so her happy when he showed up? Her brother, alive. her brother has shown up, and that's why the lawyer knows that she's still alive because Richard Mason has seen his sister in the house and she's it? there as recently as like April, and it's like. You know, it's not, like, no, it's June. It's June. Yeah, it's summer. Because he proposes to her in the summer. He proposes to her. Oh, the summer, summer thunderstorm. Because, of course, Midsummer is. night, basically, he proposes to her, which makes a lot of sense timeline wise. Yes. I'm not doubting you. Why is it significant? Because what happens on Midsummer nights? Everything's topsy turvy. Um, well, I just corn mustard seeds. So. It's magic, yeah, exactly. It's it's like a magical working out of couples situation. Um, let me see if I can find it. Keeping it heading. anyway. Okay, so we have that situation. Rochester has a wife in the attic. Uh, yeah, splendid midsummer, shone over England. Ta-da. Uh, we all mentioned mentions to fairies on some Eve adult. So okay. All right. Um so we should backtrack. Um maybe- after Jane is beaten by her cousin and uh she's stuck in the red room, which is the room where her uncle died. Um she's 10 years old. She freaks out about being locked in this room. She is locked in superstitious. There. She's superstitious as reasonable um, 10 year olds are. Um she sees a lantern going across the the um window the wall the window um mm-hmm. when she's in there in the dark because of course they don't give her a candle and we do not have a to- and they sit her like a um, do they tie her in a chair? They threaten to but they don't they threaten to tie her in a chair but they don't. And it's interesting she keeps struggling against them and they keep berating her for disobedience. Mm-hmm. But like most reasonable people, like it is instinctive to fight back if you're being, I mean, fight or flight, but like, yeah, instinctively, if someone's like grabbing you and trying to take you away from somewhere, you and fight. trying to like lift you bodily, mm. then you're gonna fight them. You're gonna fight them. Um, well, we kind of know this, Like, I suspect 19th century might have had a way of Soviet team. Um, they don't really care. Right? And they, you know, and she's terrified. She's only 10. Um, and she's just been injured. And she's just been injured. There's no mention of her head injury after that. Like, not really. Despite the fact that she's bleeding. And she was basically like, it was sufficiently painful that she mentions it. Like, you know, it's, it's sufficiently painful that she's like, it's not like she's hit with a book and the force of it cuts her head. She's hit with a book that falls, causes her to fall backwards and fall hard enough that she like smashes her head. Um, which is pretty substantial. I mean the is the fact that it's bleeding, not that it's just open skin yeah I mean because it's there's a difference between that mm-hmm. like you can totally just break skin without it bleeding yeah, but it's actually bleeding but the fact um that it does anyway, so after this instance or uh, incident, she um
1: I mean, somebody is before, somebody's
0: brought into like assess her... In um greater medical knowledge to the 19th century possibly. Awesome. So anyway but somebody a, a third party is brought into the house to like evaluate her and see what's going on um mrs reed takes the initiative to get her sent off journey. um to a but if she's listening this, she's like oh god jane air really <laughs> brontes um or she's just like viewing her portrait over there. Yeah, her magnificent self. Um, I guess that looked good. Yeah okay so mm-hmm. so Jane gets sent off to Lowood, which is uh, a, cha- a school for orphan children basically yeah, charity or school charity, school. charity school for children orphan children or children whose parents just don't want them don't want them but co- like, I think Helen Helen Burns's dad got, got remarried re- re- and her stepmother doesn't want her around so you also you also get the 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 indication with that that it's not just Jane who's like decidedly unlucky to be in a household where she's Suddenly rejected that it's actually kind of normal um, with step parents and the like for the kids, all the kids to be removed, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Helen Burns is like positively angelic. So, like, it's kind of to a point that it's almost annoying yeah. to yeah. read it I mean, as dumb. a modern person. But yes. Um, so we I get, think- in, I don't know, when well, we get Jane at this school, the school is utterly awful. Right, initially, it's um, like they make them wash their... I mean, I'm referring to the 2006 adaptation. But like, it's pretty consistent. They're supposed to wash their hands and with ice cold water hands and, and their faces in ice cold water and the, in the morning. The water's actually frozen, so they can't, yeah, they, can't um, they can't wash. They can't wash, and it's um it's yeah. like burnt food. It's burnt food. And um, not this, enough of it. The teachers beat the, the they, kids. Um. French teacher is kind of awful to Helen. Um, the history teacher is really awful to her. yeah. Is, it, is the French teacher? No, teacher? it's the history teacher. The French teacher isn't so bad. It's the history teacher that that beats her for actually knowing. Because okay, so the the this is autobiographical. Um, Charlotte's she- older sister actually really liked history, um, and had a but had a fracas with the history teacher apparently at the school that they were all at together. Um, and so when Helen comes off with all these details and happens to know the answers, uh, the history teacher assumes that she's been cheating, which she hasn't, um, and beats her. Yeah, right. interesting how the education system hasn't substantially changed since. Well, you're not getting caned. You're so. not <laughs> getting caned, but i mean that's that's substantial yeah you know, i've just been recently thinking about all the traumatic experiences i had in well, the former British future, yeah. um, I um mean, actual health issues i saying. know i don't dispute it it was it was ridiculous um I mean, yeah, I'm outlining that for myself. So well, I'm I mean, not being dramatic. In principle, you could argue the discipline practices have not changed massively. The idea that your teacher had on his first day of school, uh, notably he, was that he should scare everybody into submission, having appeared relatively nice on his, like, moving up day when he was there to interview. So, um, Yeah except it was the we update that he had me stand up okay. i am, i still to this day I have no idea what i did wrong you didn't do anything wrong you were basically being scapegoated that's that's the point um which uh, again is also like a little bit you know everything comes from the night i was nine and i was in tears but no i was eight for the record she's an exceptional student and teacher any I... question if you happen to ever listen to this podcast i have your number um <laughs> There were many, there was there was many an angry email sent about this particular incident. It's not that it actually did any good, but um, it's the one instance where it really didn't. It should have been far more of a litigious parent. So we had this conversation anyway. Um, the school system it, it, that Jane is initially in is very poor, except there is a very good superintendent. Miss Temple is a really really good superintendent. Oh, yes, She's just Temple. we love Miss Temple. Um, but she's basically beholden to Mr Brocklehurst and people that essentially are like the board of directors for the school, also that hasn't changed massively either um, so there's a bit of a bracket initially Jane does so, okay like, wait, there's like burnt food Mm. So Miss Temple like gets them new food. Yeah. Miss like, so Temple, there, overseas, but Temple makes, yeah, them, she like, them like, cakes and things. Yeah, she like makes sure that they actually get food. She like, makes edible. sure that they get a rest and looks after them actually. Yeah. Um, Mr. Brocklehurst so, kind Mr. of shows up. Mr. And screws everything over. It. He shows up with his family and like the different like, um, speaking of having kids stand up in the middle of the room. He calls Jane Arab and has her stand on a stool mm-hmm. for an hours with like a wire, right? A sign around her neck. Yes, because since we just talked about a skull letter, that's a good like callback. Um, oh god. Oh god. Yeah. Oh, and there was isn't. An, so he's not specifically talking about Jane Eyre at this point. That he's talking about another student who has her hair in curls. And Miss Temple's like, her hair curls naturally, Mr. Bother. but can't, like, can't actually help it. She right. can't help it. So we're, like, like pinning it up in a way that, like, she can do accommodate. Mm-hmm. Interesting, he wants to, like, go against nature. Of course he does. I'm um, sticking, you know, curly showing off female attributes in any way shape or form. what we don't like yeah mm. of course so he's talking about how they should all like be dressed modestly cover their hair whatever mm. in the presence of his wife and daughters who are in like massive um 1830s crinolines and bonnets i want to say 1830s because yeah i've been i've heard but it's supposedly supposed to be set in like the 1780s no. but mm. no Mm-mm. no it can't be um because there's a discussion about liberty so they can't really do that so mm, like, um, mm. late in the reign of george the third so right. mm-hmm. Please not. Like, okay, so things. there's there's debates about this actually. Late Georgian Victorian period, so we're not actually sure, Looks like in the general sense. Um, the inferred timeline, seventeen ninety nine. It has to be post. It has to be post French Revolution. it Really does, I think um okay so they're dating brocklehurst visiting jane at gateshead to 1800 but i'm not quite sure where we're really getting like jane as like guide okay so i'd have to go look at criticism on this um weirdly though i don't think i mean it doesn't it almost almost doesn't matter right okay so like, um i um, know the point of the contrast is that his wife and daughters are on these like fashionable clothing Mm. So for whatever time you set it in, and I mean, yeah, I mean, as long as it's not like the 1810s, you can basically be as frilly as you like. Yeah, so it's prior to the 1810s, it's 18, 1800 basically would be when they're arguing what mm-hmm. the school setting is. Um, okay. But even yeah. so, even so, who would show up to a charity school? Like, that like really, really tongue-deaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at this baby. I know. He's mm-hmm. pretty. He's very pretty. Are you enjoying the discussion? Like, well, I tolerate Charlotte Brontë, but whatever. Um. Yeah. I think, kind of. Um. I'm okay. Of Jane Auster, so I think so too. Good. All right. So where were we in terms of the school? Um. Typhus he, outbreak. Typhus outbreak. So there's a typhus outbreak, which is the result of the poor nutrition and the lack of hygiene. And the like close quarters. And the close quarters, of course. Um, and a whole bunch of the kids die, the school gets mm-hmm. gets into trouble. Brocklehurst manages to like stay in charge. There's like an because, inquest. Yeah, there's an inquest. He manages to stay in charge because of his connections, but the school changes for like, the better. Yeah, the school changes for the better. Thank you. Um, and Jane actually ends up, even though she loses her best friend, she loses Helen Burns, who dies actually from tuberculosis, not from uh, from consumption, not from typhus. So um like a general term. Hmm? I thought consumption was a general term. No, she's like she's hacking up ones. Okay, so she's got tuberculosis. She's, she's got like tuberculosis. It. Um, so basic. Well, what would typhus look like? not to it specifically said she does not have typhus. Uh yeah okay she does not have typhus her complaint the doctor says her complaint is consumption right she's dying it's not because typhus she could arguably survive right Mm -hmm. she could um she can't survive her lungs not actually working anymore um so she dies um Mm -hmm. jane becomes close with Miss Temple, but then eventually when it, Jane is 18, Miss Temple goes off and gets married. She Jane is, by that point who, according to Jane, doesn't deserve her. Yeah. Right. I think there's like an off line she's talking He she doesn't deserve her. I thought he said that he did. Like well, he's, he's a great man, but like he doesn't deserve like, well, almost, I thought she said he almost was worthy of such a wife. Oh yeah. Um. So which doesn't actually mean that he doesn't deserve. it mean, her. it's She's, not. It's more a compliment to her uh, than it is to a, a yeah a derogatory yeah, towards her. It's not Derogatory towards him. Um, it's just like Miss Temple is just so so brave. Yeah. She um, is Yeah. No, they they are close, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So then Jane has become a teacher at eighteen years old uh essentially sort of graduating the school um and then she decides that she wants to find a job for herself because she gets restless that, that leaves Miss temple gone, with, temple gone there's no she has nobody else that she wants to stay with so she she gets a job at thornfield um as the governess to adele who is the french ward of mr rochester of course mr rochester is the absent presence he never shows up um oh. He doesn't she she ultimately doesn't know who Adele is to him right it's he yeah. sort of insists that she's the oui, child of his French mistress um oui, oui. but not but, but specifically not his child right yeah so um the whole thing with that is that like his French mistress was like an opera singer mm-hmm. and she was like two timing mm-hmm. so she went off with this other guy sounds like a Soldier but I want to say, but she goes off with the other guy, leaves Adele with him, claims that Adele is his, but he doesn't believe it, Mm -hmm. also brings up interesting, um, discussions of, um, um, I don't want to say specifically racism because they're not. I mean, good old fashioned English racism mm-hmm. that has less to do with like the skin color and more to do with like what country you're from. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so no like nationalism, nationalism, them, cultural discrimination. So of course we end up sexualizing the ten year old Yeah, there you go. So actually, just re- reversing back to the Miss Temple com- comment, right? um she says at this period she married removed with her husband a clergyman an excellent man almost worthy of such a wife to a distant county and consequently was lost to me so there you go um but yes go ahead racism good old-fashioned english racism good old-fashioned english racism which so we're safe. an of empire so we're it's alive and well so yes we we're sexualizing the ten-year-old mm, as i said so she's like she sings some like song in french that like mrs fairfax doesn't understand jane does because jane speaks french yeah and um, what song is it it's basically about her uh lover her lover yeah is that in the text there or is that in the adaptation it's not in the adaptation pretty sure well, i'm pretty sure it's in the text um I mean, certainly she's flirtatious with Rochester. She loves her Caddo. He talks about her loving her presence. It brings Um, up, well, attachment theory that the disgust discussed in relation to this. Mm -hmm. Like, um, before it's like Jane actually, like, because Adele's almost exclusively with her for quite some time, um... Adele becomes, like, devoted to Jane. Mm. And she's, like, obedient, like, cured of, like, a lot of... Oh, she's seven or eight. Okay. Yeah, she was coming. She could speak. Now, those... now she can make shift to talk a little. I don't understand her. She mixes it with friendship. But you'll make out her meaning very well, I dare say. Um, yeah, so... Um, this is mrs fairfax is all english sophie is my nurse she came with me over the sea with the great ship for the chimney the smoke which how it did smoke i was sick and so was sophie and so was mr rochester um, um so her, like she also has this sort of tendency to perform, right? Um mm. yeah, oh, wait, oh, no, 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 hang on. So ah, okay, so she does. She does sing it. Um she commenced singing a song from some opera. It was a strain of a forsaken lady who, after bewailing the perfidy of her lover, calls pride to her aid, desires her attendant to deck her in her brightest jewels and richest robes, and resolves to meet the false one that night at a ball and prove to him by the gaiety of her demeanor how little his desertion has affected her. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and she says, the subject seems strangely chosen for an infant singer, but I suppose the point of the exhibition lay in hearing the notes of love and jealousy warbled with the lisp of childhood and in very bad taste the point was at least I thought so. Um, Yeah, yeah. so um, she sings it tunefully with a certain naivete for her age. Um, Yeah, I mean, Jane's kind of horrified by what she's singing. Um and the fact she sings and she dances. Um which is very provocative is the suggestion, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the sexualization going on. And Rochester certainly also like associating with her, with her mother, um, playing that up and assuming assuming that she's going to have this tendency because she's also French, mm-hmm. right? The like, British racism going on there. Um Jolly really good. <laughs> of your uncle but yes same thing. <laughs> so which, which of course though Rochester also finds attractive given so that he's... the attachment theory that I've had discussed in relation with Adele is that like um I'm not sure how to explain it with Jane but like with Rochester he's not around consistently. I mean, mm-hmm. and he's, like, the only other person before Jane who can actually, like, understand what she's saying in French, apart from Sophie, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. Mr. Rochester, he's not around consistently. And when he does mm-hmm. come, he brings her presents. Except, like, he also, like, he also has her perform for him. Mm -hmm. To like get the presents, yeah, and he still berates her for liking the presents, even though she's like she's a child. Pretty things, like I well understand. We were just looking through pictures of me as a very small child with my shoes. Yeah, but that's That's not the same thing. Not the same Um, thing. She's much older. She's much older, right? And like there are other things. Yeah. No, I was taller then in that one but there are there there genuinely is no comparison there are other ones there are other ones where there's genuinely no comparison (laughs) to this situation okay never mind just (laughs) oh Oh god i'm tired but there's um, genuinely no comparison to what you're talking about um Yeah, I mean, he's he basically keeps her at arm's length. He's not even acknowledging her as his child. He's considering, and he's almost he's almost taking, and and he's not adopted her either, which is also um, scenes of clerical life. Right. Yeah. There's no. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. (laughs) Well, so there's a similar situation. There's a similar situation in George Eliot's um, Scenes of Clerical Life with uh, Katrina Tina. who's like a ward of um, ward, um sir cheryl and his wife and um they specifically don't adopt her all right they they take care of her they they use her for a performance she performs for them too she is also exoticized and sexualized um but um they don't consider and they sort of willing to fob her off on the local clergyman but they were unwilling to sort of consider her like an appropriate heir for them in any way shape or form um yeah so um yeah that's the situation So Jane shows up and Adele because like she's got this new person who's like around consistently and is like teaching her things and not berating her, but also not completely indulging her. Um, She becomes like a dedicated pupil and everything. And like the epilogue, she's described as being cured of her French freaks, but mm-hmm. right, <laughs> yeah. But also sent away to boarding school, also as well, right? Presumably something somewhere better than Lowood. Well, yeah, Jane, Jane. Apparently, I mean, I think it's fair to conclude that she wouldn't send. No, no. she genuinely likes Adele. Yeah, but not enough to like adopt her either, which is intriguing. I mean, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Unless you go with the the happy pappy BBC version ending where they're also sort of doing the family photograph thing or family portrait outside of the big house. Um where Adele's there too, I think, right? And the new baby and all that kind of stuff. And it's like happy families. Um yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jane probably could get Rochester to adopt Adele if she wanted to yeah but that also assumes that she's got really that much power over in the end which arguably I mean okay so we need so we need to circle back to this as kind of our wrapping up point here so there's a big debate I would say about whether I think anyone can say this about whether Jane Eyre is actually romantic or not um and this was the argument that we were referring to earlier sort of uh, tangentially that occurred between my illustrious daughter and my uh, as mother um yes (laughs) so um yeah so basically older the older generation uh so much older generation um concludes that this is a romance i certainly grew up uh, and i'm not attaching myself to the old generation um <laughs> but uh but like it was traditional it has been traditional even now in fact it is still consistent to regard jane eyre as romantic um that rochester is like a heathcliff kind of figure um byronic hero but supposed to be attractive instead of you know mad bad and dangerous to know um or rather we're supposed to see the mad bad and dangerous to know as something that is attractive and we're supposed to want to reform we're supposed to swoon as we want them to reform all that kind of fun stuff um mm-hmm. basically yeah, we I, can all, fix him yeah i the, i can fix him mentality now but that romantic attitude still prevails i think however um, I would argue that when you read Jane Eyre closely enough, um, you see that really it's not the case, and certainly the Bluebeard's Gothic, which is a really good piece of criticism. But are you reading that right now? Not in bits. You're please. reading it in bits. Okay, well in bits I'll take. Um, anyway, it's a really famous piece of criticism, Bluebeard's Gothic, that explores Jane Eyre in relation to trauma. Uh, and argues, for example, among other things, that um, Rochester's treatment of her is abusive, um, that Jane comes from a sort of abusive past, that there are huge questions, as in fact there are, um, about his intentions of marrying her. There's a pretty strong argument that he switches from being interested in marrying Blanche Ingram, who's the wealthy, attractive woman of the neighborhood, to marrying Jane because Jane has no family, and it wouldn't be a social wedding. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so there's things about power dynamics. And- right. Um Mm -hmm. there's an argument that rochester gets concerned about marrying somebody who's a socialite because that would draw too much attention the wedding would be too too publicized. explain that in a minute which i'm going to explain right now um so he's he's supposed to be engaged to this woman who's the local beauty the world she's wealthy etc etc it's supposed to be a social like big social marriage whatever um it would get attention Right, there would be plenty of attention, and it would be broad, like publicized in the newspapers or whatever that they got married. There's an argument that Rochester becomes concerned about that when he knows that Richard Mason has, you know, has, has seen his He's sister, circling the, circling the neighborhood, has seen his sister, Ie Bertha Mason, uh, relatively recently, knows that she's still alive, hasn't, of course, been informed about her death. Um, and presumably we'll be quite surprised to hear that Rochester, his brother-in-law, has gone off and married somebody else when you know his first wife is still alive. Because um, you yes. frown on bigamy. Um Rochester is, exactly. of course, trying to do that. Um, the argument about him switching from uh, Blanche Ingram to Jane is that we marrying Jane, Jane has no family to object, which in fact he says. Um, It's a lot easier, arguably, for him to get away with a bigamous marriage to Jane than it would be to a socialite. Right. Um, It's also perfectly conventional for the master of the house to flirt with the governess. That's just, you know, part of the Mm cause. So you can, in fact, write off Rochester's flirtations with Jane as just as just, you know, habit right, where well, he's really intending to marry Gwana Shingram until it no longer becomes practical for him to do that. He still wants a wife because he's a Bluebeard character. Uh, he zones in on Jane because Jane is vulnerable. Um, he bullies her into a proposal, which you have to read the proposal scene for the effect mm-hmm. of this, but, you know, go, go take a look at it. It's not particularly romantic. He's threatening to send her off to Ireland at the same time that he's, like, you know proposing his undying affection to her. Um yeah, I didn't quite so this is Rebecca 2020. I did mm-hmm. not quite enjoy um watching the romanticization of that. He's right. like, I'm in love with you, you little fool. Mm-hmm. I'm like, um when I read that it was like he sounds angry. But yeah. It's like it's not sweet. It's not I mean Arguably calling someone a little fool raises red flags in general, but but like, I mean, it's infantilizing mm-hmm. as it is demeaning, right? So, I mean, even trying to make it sound sweet, even if it were objectively to sound sweet without the added background of having read it, um. Eh. It's not sweet. It's not sweet. Um, It's nasty. It's not... It's mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, I enjoyed Rebecca a lot more than Jane Eyre, but... Just because yeah, it's not meant. To, that is, I mean, insofar as Rebecca is modeling on Jane Eyre, which it really does, um, it actually it plays with the the proposal scene not being romantic at all. It also yeah. being kind of a bullying moment, yeah. um, and it plays up the psychological horror. I mean, that's why it's so difficult to adapt because it mm. there's very little action in general, right? But like, it's just a slow build up
1: mm-hmm. of
0: like. I mean, it takes like 72, it only takes 72 hours to completely change a person's psyche, but. With the right approach, yeah. With the right approach. Mm-hmm. And like, she's spending however long in this house with this man who's like constantly. I mean, Unpredictably mercurial. And she's right. comparing herself to the dog mm-hmm. and trying to get affection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like. Yeah, she's looking at all of these remnants of Rebecca and everything to the point, and spoilers, but like, I should have said that, should have opened with that, apologies, to the point that like, when it comes to the point, I mean, I was so happy because I actually predicted that Maxim kills Rebecca, um... I mean i I literally really? i could not I could not uh, yes, God, I could not have guessed how in a million years, but like I was so gleeful, and I remember where I was mm-hmm. when I read that and I was like, yes <laughs> yes, go murder the homicide um whatever I was like, yes, it was premeditated too, oh my God, the jackpot, but mm-hmm. But I predicted that specifically because I do not like Rochester archetypes. Alright, he's not a particularly attractive archetype in many ways. So and I was right? so gleeful, but back to the point, that after hearing this, about how like he like took a gun, went down to the boathouse with the intention to shoot Rebecca's lover, then had a conversation with Rebecca, and then he shot her. Mm-hmm. Like um that her reaction is like oh my god he never loved Rebecca and like she's just just so relieved mm-hmm. and I was like uh yeah it's like babe like um hmm. yeah he's just like he's telling you how he murdered his first wife and your reaction and is your rea- way he didn't love her your action is her, like, and I mean, Rebecca sounds like they of the same social class as Maxim. Mm. It's like they like she sounds wealthy, and like it was, yeah, yeah it was her fortune keeping Mandalay right. around. Right? Yeah. No, he, yeah. He right? uses so, her for that. Right. So Rebecca's wealthy. She's pretty. She's, like, oh, she's, she's popular, charming. She's charming. She's successful. At everything. Mrs. She De Winter does. is none of those things. Right. Yeah. And, like, how much easier, like, if he could kill Rebecca, how much easier do you think it would be for him to kill Mrs. De Winter? Like, nobody would, no. like, nobody would bat an eye. No. And I mean, he's got full control over it. And, he I mean, he ultimately does. He uses her as a nursemaid, right? They, they don't sort of run off into the sunset together. Out of the movie, she becomes his caretaker. -hmm. Which is exactly what she was doing in the beginning, anyway. Mm -hmm. She's less his wife and more of his nursemaid, which arguably also is James' not quite fate because Rochester says he doesn't want a nursemaid and he wants a wife. Um, Mm -hmm. Glad you finally got your priorities in order, but well, not really. I mean, he's obsessed with having a wife, that's kind of the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so we should kind of, we should still kind of (laughs) cover that. So, anyway, okay, so Rochester. His abuse pattern, um, you know, the dodgy proposal, the fact that he's trying to force Jane into, into a bigamous relationship for which she would pay the price, not him. In a Victorian okay. context, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, mm. You know, it's generally frowned upon, but so, she would be the one who carried the burden of it. And if they can... had kids, good lord, um, good lord, yeah, bastards who would be rejected, etc., etc. Kind of need to backtrack. No, okay. I'm good. Um, well, no, it's the whole like wedding debacle well the wedding debacle is the exposure right okay so rochester's abuse pattern we're not backtracking technically but like um rochester's abuse pattern with jane it's like thinking about it it's like has all the hallmarks of like a modern like domestic abuser Mm -hmm. like first like um i mean even like ignoring the horrendous implications that he is like old enough to be her father he's her employer mm-hmm. and he's far more worldly than she is he's like traveled in okay. the mm-hmm. world which does have like implications she's literally only ever been to gateshead lowood really and then Thornfield is like the third location she's never traveled anywhere she's never traveled anywhere she's never like she has no money she's got no family yeah, they have no money and no prospects. In the print. No. <laughs> Emma, 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 what? <laughs> I'm precious, but... yes, I know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was thinking Emma Thompson. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was like an um, uh, pure horror was uncredited in mm-hmm. Thompson- mm-hmm. the script for like the Wickham scene um Charles like if Emma Thompson ever listens to this, which I sincerely doubt she ever will. Why, dear God, why? Mm-hmm. You loved you so much, and you just disappointed. It's heartbreaking, it's absolute heartbreak. I was there for Effie Gray, I was there for it. Sense and sensibility, sensibility and Murphy. I was there for all that. I was so excited about um, what should we call it? Good luck to you, Leah Grand. Love it. Think it's really great. And then you do this. Having heard this that you were uncredited. Responsible. This. for a really crappy line and a really crappy adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Like yes. no, 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 Okay. All right. Okay. Um, was my wedding? Um. Yeah. So. Well, no, not really, but, like, um, Georgie has commentary. Even ignoring the power imbalance with, between Jane and Rochester, Mm. like, the fact is, he's, like, he's isolating her, Mm -hmm. like, socially and, i mean he's bringing friends over that aren't like she's not in the same class she can't really interact with them mm-hmm. like her only other friend is like the eight-year-old right and um i have thoughts about the gypsy scene you have to explain the gypsy scene now that you just mentioned it oh i know i know i'm sorry that like he dresses up as a fortune teller so rochester go like disappears from his own house party and then disguises himself yeah, which is really rude a, really rude anyway disguises himself as a fortune teller and then persuades all of his guests to have their fortunes read he of course uses the information that he has about them to say things about them, most of which are horrible he makes Blanche and cry yeah which is like i mean even sadistic like, it's sadistic, and I mean, even if Bonding Grimm isn't nice... I mean, she's not. No, she's not, but, like, nobody deserves that. But then he's still intending on marrying, He's really. still am sorry, but he really her. is. I, I, I will die on that hill. Um, like, yeah, he's got interest in money yeah, as well. So, so. What I didn't enjoy in, like, the 2006 adaptation that they have him pay a fortune teller to do all mm-hmm. this. I think it detracts some from, like, the genuine like horribleness of him of this scene yeah and also like his character as well the fact that he is he transforms himself into this other figure it's almost like a quasi magical thing that he does transformative Mm. right that he doesn't he's he's a trickster yeah in a dangerous way Mm-hmm, danger. Like, not even, like, a joke. Well, part. yeah, exactly. He is like, doing no, it to It's dangerous, yeah. I'm just, like, sociopathic. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I use these terms loosely. Yeah. So I'm not making comments on actual, like, Diagnoses, right, but in terms of, yeah, but, as like, labels that work in literature for identifying labels. characters, yes. Yeah, okay, so, like, he's isolating her socially, he's Bring people around that she can't interact with um he's like he asks her several times if she has any family and Mm -hmm. she's like no I don't have any because like I mean it's the same with you and (laughs) grandma wow yeah that like and 25% of the population of the United States, apparently, current generations are absenting themselves from their parents. But anyway, yeah, go on. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Um it's but... strange from what I ever found I remember, it was the line. But go on. Where'd you read that? Uh in cosmopolitan today. I didn't read cosmopolitan, it came up on Apple News Plus, but go on, keep going. Yeah, so. And he gets angry when a letter comes from her aunt Reed. He's like, What? I thought you said you had no family. She's like, No, I don't. Like, not really. She's my aunt, but like, they haven't seen each other in like a decade. I mean, she's not nice. I don't like her. She doesn't like me. Whenever we are basically estranged. And he doesn't pay her. It's like she has no financial independence. Right. He's making her dependent on him. So she has to beg him for her her pay. Yeah, and then so he gives her he her. gives her more than she asks for, so she has to come back for change. Yeah. Uh, so, so she has to come back for change. He gives her more than she asks for, so she has to come back and give like she wants to give him the like she has to come back. And she has to come back and give him the change because she's too scrupulously she honest. She's not going to like run off with his extra money and then not show up again. It's and a power, break it's, a, her. it's a power move. Mm. You would probably berate her anyway if she didn't take it all without like commenting on it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so she has no financial independence he makes overly sure that she has no like support system Mm -hmm. and i mean it is like massively lucky that like her uncle and like this is the significance of Jane Eyre um, uh, da, 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 da. her uncle that her uncle is a tradesman he's a merchant in Madeira which is where all of Rochester's backstory lingers where his wife is basically yeah. from right? yeah Bertha Antoinette Mason Antoinette Antoinette mm-hmm. is it Antoinette or Antoinette? because I feel like ju- it Jean Rhys changes it. yeah Jean Rhys changes it but that's- Oh yeah, I think it was in the Norton critical edition where Gina was supposed to take place in the 17-somethings. And that, for what's the I see, Gene Reese changed it. Changed the timeline. So, yeah, changed the timeline. Well, and mate, changed you mean, mean it taking place in the You mean the the historical parts of it or do you mean the actual bits with Jane? The actual bits with Jane that... Mm, okay. Oh, that like I'm not sure. What this... I mean, this is this is go the timeline that I found is going off, and it's pretty detailed and does reference the text. Is going off of the um Jane being born in 1789, Rochester marrying Bertha Mason in 1793. Ew, and then the beginning of the novel 1799. Tivus outbreak in 1800, Jane Meets Rochester in 1808, Blanche Ingram in 1808. But that will give the if you if you consider him marrying Bertha Mason in the 1790s, that's possibly sort of kind, of, maybe. I don't know. We need to investigate this further for timelines. Interesting. We'll, interesting problem. We'll come back to this in a yeah. later, mm-hmm. at a later date. Where was I? Great ship with chimneys that smoke. The steam-powered boat was 1783. You distracted me. Now. Sorry. Go ahead. Where was I? Uh, you were still talking about the weddings, birth, Mason, the uncle. Oh yeah, the uncle. Love mm-hmm. that guy. So Jane's uncle is like Jane friend. uncle. Jane's only uncle John. John surviving, Eyre. Only good John surviving Eyre. relative. John Eyre, He's like he came to Gateshead when he was like preparing to move to Madeira, and mm-hmm. it was like a couple years after. Um, Jane, had been, Jane had been sent to Lowood, and her aunt Reed tells her, this. her aunt because on her on, deathbed. on her deathbed because best way to get out of things, yes. Um, best way to get out of dealing with the consequences of your actions. She tells Jane on her deathbed that her uncle came by to Gateshead and was like, "Hey, I'm going off to Madeira. My niece is here. I want to take her with me." where is she Mm -hmm. and mrs reed tells him that jane died of typhus at lowood Mm -hmm. and gives the lesson or whatever so jane ends up writing to her uncle in madeira when um it turns out that she and rochester are getting married i'm just like hey (laughs) uncle i'm getting married whoop to do um, just thought I should let you know yeah and her uncle um, her uncle is presumably the one who puts everything together no he is yeah, yeah I know he, yeah, I know he is he, Yeah, I know. He, I was, I was, but I was it's glossed like, over in most adaptations that he's the one who, which would fit, fits with Bluebeard Right, and that it's her male relative who intervenes and protects her and stops mm. her from marrying the Bluebeard character so Rochester has to get appropriately punished before they end up together mm. Okay, so um, Go on. he's kind of dying, so he can't. It's he kind of dying. He is dying. Yeah, there's no levels, of that, but in between, he's, he's dying, so he can't make the trip over to England to do it himself. To, like, so he gets the letter from Jane, and luckily, he happens to like be. He's being visited by his tradesman friend Richard Mason and he's talking like hey my niece like yay my niece is getting married like she's in England like Richard Mason's like oh to whom he's like oh to this guy like Edward Fairfax Rochester he's like oh wow funny story funny story I know this guy the funny story I know this guy he's actually my brother-in-law you're like wait what (laughs) <laughs> um. So of course, her uncle is like rightly appalled. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hey, I can't make. Like, I can't make the journey. So, right. would you please take, like, go with a solicitor, go to, um, the church at Thornfield, and like stop the wedding." Mm-hmm. So he does just in the nick of time, and, um, he's like. I had proof of life about a couple months ago. Like I saw her. She mm-hmm. like bit me. <laughs> Whole vampiric thing, we'll come back to at a later date, but yeah, go on. Um it's like you can't marry him. And I mean, Jane is perplexed, but then they have to go back to like that's gotta be really galling though. To have to go back to the house, and everybody's waiting for them. Yeah, it's
1: funny. everybody's
0: the waiting for them at the house, thinking that they're coming back to go for their wedding, to, or or they intending mm-hmm. to go from the church. Um, that I don't remember. Tour. I don't remember that's the detail I do not recall. Okay, so they're going. So they go back home and everybody's really surprised to see them. So they have to go up to the third floor and Rochester tells the story of how he he was a young man. He was the second son. Um, His father sent him to the West Indies to make a very advantageous match with this woman. Um, Bertha Mason. Bertha Mason, right? Yeah. And she turns out to have been um her mother. It's like so the fa- like the family's wealthy, mm. and so he can live comfortably and whatever. He's the but, second son, so he's getting fobbed off from the wealthy one. Yeah. Mm. And um, they he's like what the family neglected to mention was that the mother, they. Said the mother had been dead, but turned out she was in an insane Mm -hmm. asylum. So the whole thing about like insanity being genetic, Mm -hmm. which it is, but it also kind of raises things about like nature versus Mm -hmm. nurture. Well yeah, which is (laughs) a subject for the text as well. Mm. So then I think. So interestingly enough, this is also the way the way Rochester portrays Bertha, it's reminiscent of the way he portrays Adele's mother. Mm-hmm. And they're like they're basically nymphomaniacs. Mm-hmm. Like they're insane, they're they're insane, they're, they're, they're virtuous. provocative, they're... they're wild. Yeah. And he's like it's very like he finds them attractive, but also he's he hor- finds- he's also horrified by them. It's a the perfect workout of the Donald complex. Yeah, right. there, you, but they're beautiful and everything, mm. and like, but he's terrified of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks like Beth Mason's literally made out of the vampiric character. Like, See? That she bites her brother and all that kind of stuff, and and Rogers is just, just like terrified that she's gonna. Destroy him so she locks her up basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's the interesting like dichotomy that like she's sexually skilled, except she also enjoys sex. Well, yeah, god forbid, and knows, what, and knows what she herself likes. Yes, that's a no, that's a no no in the I just and century. like affects like sexual Rochester. pleasure herself from Rochester or anybody else, like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> Too much pressure for the Englishman. <laughs> yeah, so So Rochester I mean, gets woman's neither, neither, anxiety in the locks. Neither. The rest of her. <laughs> so rest neither day So neither woman can actually speak for themselves because Adele's mother is obviously is gone, gone and Bertham is like gone. too far gone. Yeah. Which she would be if you've been locked up forever in a day. Yeah, I mean, with they not a, skilled caretaker because Grace Poole is a drunkard, right? Yeah. Um, so, Roch, and Rochester argues that, you know, I could have stuck her somewhere where she would have gotten ill and died. So, I'm actually a good guy because I just kept her locked up in this place in my actual house. But he essentially, you know, exactly um, locks her I mean, up. I think it would really happen to Jane if they unlit her as brother. Right, yeah. Well, so, I mean, the parallels with Jane and Bertha Mason exist. Go um, see Bluebeard's Gothic for details. They definitely exist. And they are described They existed. are described in similar ways. Yes. Right, and particularly, mm-hmm. particularly in a Gateshead episode where the servants are calling her a wild animal, they're calling her, you know, they say she's like a mad cat, she's, like, struggling against being restrained, you know. She's manipulative, everything she does is manipulative, so obviously that's what's going on. She's uh, a pen, Jesus. Of course she's a pen. Right, and Bertha the a view factor, and it's a foreigner in England who's, like, you know, being hauled up in a room in a house that she's supposed to, you know. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the interesting... <laughs> I don't get the specifics of this in terms of, like english racism you that like she, she's not necessarily specifically black she's creole though she's supposed mm-hmm. to be creole she's supposed to be yeah okay i'm not saying she's not but like she's not, no but she's not i mean she's not like, english which already automatically means that as far as english racism goes she's not in white english which means that's why she's othered where she is yeah right uh, and even Berthe Mason, oh, not Berthe, sorry, even a Blanche Ingram being dark haired um, is enough to exoticize her. Yeah. Um, that's what happens. Yeah. It's the degrees of that, the dark lady, mm-hmm. right? It's the. Um, and number one it's it's uh, share a song about the dark lady mm-hmm. um which is a great rendition of this it's uh it's this uh, rebecca versus rowena in uh Eisenhower a little bit uh, even though rebecca's like this angelic jewish character um she's still a jewess she's still a jewess um mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and then lots of french novels that do the same thing um well, I hesitate to mention Gwendolyn versus Mira. Gwendolyn versus Mira. <laughs> One of the few <laughs> it mean, sort of works out the other way. I mean, of course, Rebecca versus Mr. Maggie versus Lucy in Mel and the Boss. Oh, my gosh. And <sighs> Karina <sighs> versus, I think her name is, is it Brenda? Or, I think it's Bertha. And um, um, I don't think George has been that deliberate. In. Um, you know. Mr. Gilbert was Lester. Well, I mean, she didn't She didn't approve of Jane She thought that uh, Jane should have run off with Rochester and had a high old time. Um, oh, she ran off with George well, Henry Lewis. Well, this was before she ran off with, with George Henry Lewis, actually. If you mm-hmm. consider it, as 1847, so she didn't run off with Lewis until later. Um, however, it's there. Um, let me see the name of the character. I'll see if we can find out. Uh oh, Beatrice, there you go. Um, um, so okay, so back to my point but like neither woman can actually represent themselves. Neither mm. one, like Bertha versus Adele's mother, mm. neither can actually represent themselves. And so like it's totally up to Rochester how he portrays them. Well, and think about Adele's situation. Well, Adele complains that she doesn't speak French. Like, no one else around her speaks French. Mr. Fairfax is Except English, English. Except for and Mr. Rochester does too. But she's, she's actually being stuck in a foreign country where most people do not speak her language. They don't um, speak her language. And Rochester's not even but... there surroundeded and and derisive, he derisive when he does it um and and they're all considering that she's like you know she's this loose child because she speaks a foreign language and nobody's nobody's bothering to try and learn other I mean Jane obviously speaks French anyway but even she when she's translating it is kind of horrified by what Adele's sort of saying and how she behaves and that kind of stuff like she doesn't know any like she doesn't know anybody like the exoticizing is still cool. going on yeah so. Yeah. Okay. So the point is that, like, you have, I mean, you have two women who are both like this. You have to wonder is it really their fault? <laughs> yeah. It's like, how many people at a bar tell you you're drunk? You're drunk. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yep. That analogy. That's one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, also, I don't know fair. where I'm going with that. Fair, but like, but what is just but, attracting it, right? I mean, he attracts, like, he is to attracted boy. to, like, I mean, because yeah. I mean, it's just, he's it's, attracted and repulsed. I'm not by sure. It. Yeah. What do you do? I'm googling this term I'm thinking of is right. Okay. All right. Um, well, that like as much as he enjoys being like sexually pleasured by them. Mm-hmm. He's horrified by the fact that they actually expect sexual pleasure from him. Well, yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's it it is the Victorian age, so that's absolutely what we're dealing with. Um, I don't um, in cell, yeah, involuntarily sell of it. But in cell, no, just give a second. I'm not sure this. Not sure this is totally right because I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, right. I mean, it's all, an interesting point that's that been observed. Right. There is minimal fan fiction about Jane and Rochester. Yeah, and like, um, as much as people derive creepy fiction yeah, creepy creepy genre, of, yeah. It's actually quite it's a good ri- measure. It's a very for good for gauging, like, and it's ancient fan well, engagement. So you Divine it. comedy. Exactly. The um, mm-hmm. Aeneid. Um, Paradise yeah, it's, Lost. It is actually an ancient practice. So, the fact that people deride fan fiction is, is ridiculous. Um, but it's a really, really good litmus test for figuring yeah. out how people feel about and certain like patterns, fan, engagement. fan engagement. And I mean, it's really interesting. That I mean, you compare made. it to like, I mean, I mean, if you take if you take Vera or the Phenomen's, um 1921 novel, if you take Rebecca, if you take uh, Aurora really, um which we will do, and you take we will and the White Sister as fan fiction themselves, essentially like responding to Jonah, they all deal with the abuse aspects of it. Really, they all they all I mean, Aurora really less so than the other the later ones, but the later ones most definitely have in common that they explore the abusiveness of the relationship between Jane and Rochester most definitely with the Jane Rochester equivalent characters most definitely right and in fact also with Rebecca you've got Maxine to who kills his first wife yes he shoots good. her in cold blood I was really the, happy when I read that that he killed her well no that I predicted it okay well, that's a different level of happy okay all right Fair I right. know it's like I'm not happy that she died because she sounds really cool. But well, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously there have been fan fictions of Rebecca where you get Rebecca's voice. Um, Yeah. All right. So the the plan is that we are going to there is somewhere you get like Mrs. DeWinter, like Mm -hmm. taking back her own voice. But yeah. All right. So the Mm -hmm. plan is that we are going to we're going to wrap this up and then we are going to talk about um, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about Roralee, We're going to talk about there. We're going to talk about Rebecca separately. why well, it's a gas, OC um, As as part of the sort of Jane Eyre series, oh, given that we kind of just didn't get to the rivers' but well. we'll get to the Rivers' a bit later on. But we'll talk about structure of Jane Eyre later. I feel like Jane Eyre as what well, like Watering Heights has potential for more than one episode at some point. We will come back, yeah. and we have to talk about adaptations. We can talk about the adaptations of the um parts um, because there are like interesting ways that that shows up. Anyway. Um, Jane Eyre, Jane Eyre. It's fire. We didn't even talk about the fire part. We'll talk about the um, um, it's fire part later. Which is going to come in after the rivers. Yeah, we'll talk about the depictions of it. In, uh, yeah, we'll like talk about like, parts two to you know four to five adaptations. Yeah, because yeah. I think, well no no we'll talk about the parts and the adaptations because I feel like the, that's where you get the biggest deviation. That's where you get the push towards oh, being yes. romantic. I have versus, opinions about like being the national theatre lives. Play. Well, we can watch version. that too. No, have you to. have watched that. I haven't watched that, so I have to yeah, that. Yeah, you need to watch that. I, I think it. I'll get back to that. Okay. All <laughs> that right. Interesting. Well, interesting is a good word. All right. So we're going to wrap up this episode for now because we are about, or like one hour and 30 minutes here. Um, and, you know, all good things must come to an end. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to pick up. Um, I think our next episode is probably going to be a follow-on talking about be really or, or one of the other, movies. which you have to read. Um or well, possibly National Theatre JN. We can do that. Yeah, we can do a part two of JN. Okay, so part two of JN. All right. Well, thank you for listening. This is Literature and Laptops. Or of what?